Lots of cool stuff going on in the life of our church. And one of the most amazing things that's happened this summer is we have, as a faith community, been walking through John's letter, 1 John. And this is the last sermon in this series called A Better Life. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, A Better Life. Yeah, very good. You're with me this morning. I like it. Uh, You know, this has been an incredible series and it has ministered to my heart. It's undone me, rebuilt, reformed. And I know it's really ministered to you as we've looked at John's letter to this fledgling church that he writes to. You know, the John who wrote 1 John is also the John that wrote the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 31, uh, he says this is his reason for writing the Gospel of John. He says in John, chapter 20, verse 31, These are written, these things in John's gospel about Jesus, what he's done and who he is, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then he writes later this first John, and what we're realizing is that he's written this one so that those who do believe will be assured of their belief. They'll be able to discern, okay, am I a true believer in Jesus Christ or not, as evidenced by my life? And we've talked about this entire series, this idea of having life. And what I want you to understand today is that the better life that all of us want, that all of us desire, is found in Jesus Christ. That's it. If you're taking notes, write that down. The better life is found in Jesus Christ. And John ends his letter telling us three things that you get in this better life. Three things that you can be certain are yours as a child of God for this better life. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you've not yet understood that in the beginning God created all things perfectly and in order. Sin disrupted it. It's affected all of humanity, but through Jesus Christ, God is restoring brokenness, broken people, broken things to himself. For those of you that have not yet repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ to become a child of God, to be born again, then today is a great day to do that. It could be the beginning of the rest of your better life. Many of you have already responded to that good news of the Bible, and you know that in Christ, there is a better life. If that's you, then uh, I am glad you're here, and I hope you're encouraged by this word. All right, three things that John says in this passage that you get with this better life. First of all, verse 14 we begin to see that here's what you get. You get a relationship with God, the kind of relationship where you can confidently talk to him. You can confidently approach him. You can have confidence in that. Look at that verse 14 of 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Isn't that an awesome couple of verses? That is a really amazing couple of verses. I remember when I was a kid, and I was not a great kid. I got in trouble frequently. Any of the rest of you, anybody else in here that as a kid was like that kid that your teachers were like, ugh, you know, I got him in my class. Fessa, I'm, I'm the only one. 
Maybe that's why I'm the pastor. <laughs> when I was a kid, I got in trouble frequently at school. And, uh, and I also went to church as a kid. And so I remembered the things that could benefit me as a child. One of them was this passage, this idea that I could ask God whatever I wanted and he would give it to me because I asked him of it. Now, I mean, that's what I understood it to mean. I remember this one time when I was in the fifth grade. We had just moved to San Antonio for a year. I grew up in Oklahoma. We moved to San Antonio for a year of my life and we eventually moved back to Oklahoma. And finally to Texas, our final resting place. I remember in the fifth grade, I, you know, I was a very insecure kid, kind of got in trouble a lot. That's how I got attention. And I was in gym class, and the gym, the PE teacher uh, got onto me. And so as the PE teacher was walking away, I made a hand gesture that I thought would make me very popular and cool among the other kids. And what little did I know how well loved that PE teacher was. And so immediately all the kids told on me. And of course the PE teacher did not like it, came and grabbed a hold of my arm and took me to the principal's office. And here I am in the principal's office at this elementary that I just started at in San Antonio, Texas. And I know what's about to go down. I'm about to get a whooping. Now, this was back in the days where you would get spanked at school if you were out of line. Does anybody remember those days? Now, if you even grab a kid by the arm, which I'm not encouraging and saying that you ought to be able to, but you would, you would go to jail for life. That would send you like, to Guantanamo Bay or something if you did that. But in these days, that's how, I mean, I frequently got spanked. In fact, when I was a kid in elementary school, I got spanked so often that the teachers would like volunteer to witness the spanking. And um, I remember one time even younger than this instance in fifth grade where I I was going to get spanked. And I can remember this picture in my mind of there were like three volunteers and they were all like drinking coffee, like watching the guy spanking me. I was that kid. So here I am in fifth grade and uh, I'm sitting on the bench by the principal's office. And you know what you do on that bench as a kid? You pray. That's what you do. You ask God. You're like, Lord, I will never, ever, ever, ever gesture in that way ever again. Lord, I'll take, I'll treat my sister with respect. Lord, I'll eat all my vegetables. You know, all the stuff that you think about when you're in the fifth grade. I will never sin again. And I said, Lord, there's a Bible passage that says, I can ask you whatever I want to ask you. And if I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ that you got to do it. So you got to do this. I don't want to get whooped. About 30 minutes later, I got whooped. See, there's sometimes when we think about going to God, you can't have confidence that you can talk to God. But maybe there's different understanding than just you get whatever you want for your good purpose. Instead, when you have a relationship with God, oftentimes what you ask him for are the very things that he wants to give you. You hear that? Oftentimes, when you're walking with God, you will naturally ask for the things that he is glad to give you. He wants to pour out on you blessing, good relationships, success, peace in the midst of suffering, whatever you hope for and long for. There are other places in the Bible that talk about praying according to God's will. And again, if you're living the better life in Christ, this is what you get. You can pray. Here's some guidelines for praying according to his will. Uh, we, We know from Mark chapter 11, verse 24, that our prayer must be in faith. You must believe that God can do it. 
in the name of Jesus. We do it in the power of Jesus Christ, according to John 14, 14. Um, prayers that are answered by God are for those that are abiding in Christ. You know what it means to abide in Christ? It means being connected in Christ. So if the only time you go to God is when you want something, like he's the cosmic Santa Claus, it's kind of a joke, right? I mean, you got to be like walking with God and in relationship with God. Does this mean you have to be perfect? No, absolutely not. But God knows your heart. Uh, prayers according to his will are oftentimes... More powerful if we are walking rightly with God, if we're obeying God's commands. Not always. You don't have to be perfect. God answers our prayers in spite of us oftentimes. And prayers, according to James chapter 4, verse 3, cannot be ultimately for the gratification of our own passions. Like, oh, God, give me that really hot woman. If it's for you and for the gratifications of your own passions, then God's kind of like, I don't think it doesn't quite work like that. You don't get to ask in my name for that kind of stuff. But in this better life, you get full access to God to ask him for things that are good for your life that is about his glory. That's what you get to ask for. This better life, you get a relationship with God. I don't know about you, but that feels really good. Also with this better life, John says, as he's wrapping up his letter, that we get an opportunity to impact other people eternally. I mean, what an awesome thing. We get an opportunity to impact others eternally. Look at verse 16. He gets at it in kind of a funny way. He says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. You see this, how personal or connected our relationship with God is, we get to have an impact on other people. We get to care about what's going on in other people's lives. The only way that you would see that another person is committing a sin that leads to death is if you are in relationship with them and you care enough to notice what's going on in their life. Sometimes you might read this passage and be like, wow, we get to be judgmental? Absolutely not. This says if you see a brother or sister. So the assumption is you're in community with these people. You care about them. You love them. This is why the local church is so important. This is why we care so much about those of you that are here that are looking for a church. We care about you getting connected because we care about you being in the kinds of relationships that can build you up, strengthen you. Because that is what you get with a better life. You get an opportunity to impact others. We've seen John say all the way through 1 John that we are to love one another. And loving each other is commanded by God. And the children of God obey God's commands. And one thing I just want to say I love about you is I love the way you love each other. I love the way... I see you love each other as a faith community. I love the way you prioritize home groups. Everybody's busy. No one has time for things unless they prioritize the things that they decide are the most important to them. I love the way you prioritize home groups. I love the way you laugh together. I find this to be a really jovial community, which is a really strange thing to say a really happy community. I mean, there is a joy in this community that I I love being a part of this group. We laugh together. We like to have fun together. At the retreat, there'll be a lot of laughter. 
I love the way you serve so faithfully on teams. You know, this stuff doesn't set itself up. And there are people in this church that show up early on a Sunday morning to set up, to get ready for the slides and the sound. And I, I love how you love each other doing those things. In fact, let's do this. Let's just show our appreciation by applause for those that have served us this morning, have loved us well by getting ready this space that we can worship in. Let's just show them how much we love them. You have an impact on people's eternity by setting up the pipe and drape. You have an impact on people's eternity by working in Kid City, by setting up the coffee, by standing at a door, by putting out a sign. You have loved us well. This is what you get with a better life. You get an opportunity to impact others and be about something larger than your little kingdom. You know what your little kingdom's about? You and your stuff and your name in your comfort, but in the better life that is found only in Jesus Christ, you get an opportunity to impact others for eternity so that when you lay your head on the pillow nearing your last breath, you can look back and say, my story was about something larger than me. It was about loving others as an, a clear Obedience to the command of God. That means obeying him, loving others. And here, what he says is we love others by praying for them. Again, it's interesting. He's ending this letter really saying, hey, here's how where we're going to end. Here's where we're going to land the plane in 1 John. Is I want you to really think about how you relate to God in prayer. And certainly, we pray for one another. We care for one another. You have an opportunity to impact others through prayer. Now, if you have someone in your life that you are praying for because they're running into sin and running away from God, I just want you to know that God hears and God will move. In fact, prayer is the most powerful thing you can do for them. This is how you can impact others eternally. First and foremost is pray for them. Some of you have people in your life that you're frustrated by right now. It's because oftentimes we're frustrated with people when we can't control them. We can't control their behavior. That's when I get frustrated with my kids and put out because I can't control what they're saying or what they're doing. Let me tell you the most powerful thing you can do to impact another person's eternity, which is what we get to do as a part of this better life, the most powerful thing you can do is pray for them. I oftentimes have people ask me, what can I do? I'm frustrated with this family member or my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, a coworker. What do I do? And I would say you need to frequently pray for them. Before you post passively on Facebook about them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand how some people can be a Christian and, you know, go to the University of Texas or whatever. Um, whatever it would be that you see as being sin in their lives. Pray for them. Prayer is so powerful. This is one of really specific ways you can have an impact on people. And here's why. Because the most important changes that you need in your life and I need in mine will only happen by God's supernatural work in our lives. Do you hear that? The most important changes that need to happen in your life and in my life will only happen by God's supernatural work in our lives. So that means that the people that 
you are getting to impact or you're desirous of impacting their lives with the love of Jesus Christ, the ultimate need in their life is for God to show up supernaturally. And the way that we ask God to do that is simply through praying. Does that mean you should never say something to them? No, of course not. Those are very good things that, you know, the Bible says wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. So there are certainly times where we ought to verbally um, have a conversation with somebody that we're trying to encourage in the faith or to, to run towards God instead of running away from God. But prayer, prayer, prayer. I have spent too much of my life trying to control the way other people live, and it's exhausting. But I know this, that God can do something significant through our prayers. In this better life, we get to impact others. One more thing, according to John, that we get in this better life. We get an understanding about sin and freedom from it. Look at verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. This is some of what he said throughout his letter. And to quote something that I said in teaching 1 John chapter 3. If you want to be the most miserable person on earth, accept Christ and keep sinning. Because we know that anyone that's born of God does not continue in sin. So if you're continuing in sin you are, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are in fact being something that you're not. A sinner. Or it could be that you're continuing in your sin because you've never truly repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what you get in this better life. You get freedom from sin. You don't have to be destroyed by sin anymore. Why? Because it's just not the way it's meant to be. Why did God put on flesh and come in the form of a man who we call Jesus? Because sin and evil reigning is not the way it's meant to be. The way it's meant to be is for there to be order and peace. That's why we say our mission statement in this way. We're inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ. Because that's the way it's meant to be. Sin destroys. Some of you that are in here, you say, I I want the better life. But you also want to keep sinning, and it will not work. It will destroy you. You'll become conflicted and kind of like two people. You'll become disconnected from yourself, from your own soul. In Christ, this better life, you get freedom from sin. You get freedom. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to walk around enslaved to something that just desires to destroy you. I don't know if y'all heard this story as I begin drawing this to a close. This week, um, did y'all hear the story about this foiled uh, terror attack on the train traveling from Amsterdam to France on Friday? Did y'all hear about that? Raise your hand if you heard about that. Incredible, incredible story. Three Americans, U.S. Airman Spencer Stone and National Guardsman Alec Scarlotus. Uh, from Oregon and their friend, uh, Anthony Sadler, a senior at Sacramento State University. They were on a train. They were alerted that something evil was about to happen by the sound of 
a 26-year-old man who we now know is an Islamic extremist reloading his gun. Here is what Sadler says about what happened. This is incredible. As he was cocking it to shoot it, his gun, terror attack on a train, going to kill people. Sadler says, as he was cocking it to shoot it, Alec, the National Guardsman, just yells, Spencer, go. And Spencer runs down the aisle, Sadler said. Spencer makes the first contact and he tackles this terrorist. Alec wrestles the gun away from him. And then this is the best part. The three of us beat him until he was unconscious. (laughs) It's like, put that on the record. Put that guy down. Why would they take this action? I mean, this is something that's heroic and something we ought to celebrate. There's all kinds of junk in the news every day that just make us sad, right? This is the kind of thing that we go, wow, there are these three people who took action. Why did they take action? Let me ask you that. Because no one wants to live in a world where evil reigns. So they jumped into action and they knocked evil unconscious. Here's the thing in this better life, you get by the power of the Holy Spirit in you an understanding of evil in our world and in your own heart, and you get freedom from it. Come on. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good. We get in Christ freedom from the power of of life-ruining, joy-stealing sin. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're saying, well, what's the benefit to me in this life? This is it. If you want to try to overpower sin on your own, how's that going? How's it going? But in Christ, you get the Spirit of God in you that gives you the strength and the power to overcome sin. Does that mean you're going to be perfect once you receive Christ? Absolutely not. There's this wonderful, hard process called sanctification that goes on where the Holy Spirit works in us and cleans us and molds us and shapes us so that over time our lives look more like the person and work of Jesus Christ. But in the better life, you get that process. You get freedom from sin. Do you hear those things? I hope that you are living the better life. I hope you are. I believe that most of you are, or at least most of you want to. John here has done something incredible. As he said, I want you to believe in the name, the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life, which is the better life. Is that you? If you've not chosen to turn away from your sin and turn towards God, do it today. You can do it. It's amazing and mysterious the way it works, but God knows your heart. You might say something in your heart to God. Hey, God, I've been running away from you for a long time. I want to run towards you. And the amazing thing about that prayer is that when we say we want to run towards God, we realize that God is not a long ways away. He is one step away, and that is faith. If you say, hey, I don't want anything to do with that, then that's your choice. It's not my responsibility to get you to decide. Many of you are here and you said, yes, I have chosen this better life in Christ. It doesn't mean that things in this life are going to be easier or you're going to be healthy and wealthy all the time, but it does mean 
that you get freedom from the power of sin. It does mean that you get access to God. It does mean that you get to impact others, which as I consider these three things, here's what I know. That is a better life. Do you believe it? I hope so. Let's pray together.